Hello and welcome to episode 880 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Tuesday, January 12th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, and I'm joined this morning by Justin Mason. Justin, good morning, sir. Good morning. How you doing? Doing all right, man. We got some hot stove movement. Uh, two really nice moves, including a big dog last night coming off the board. And, uh, you know, we're still talking outfielders, which I'm actually quite enjoying. And we're really getting into some potential game changers uh you know i think the last couple episodes we've been covering those guys in the middle there that people get excited about as their sleepers you know actual sleepers so uh, that's kind of the where we're at right now but eager to talk about these two uh transactions as well how are you doing doing well friends fancy benefits draft guide is out thank god it is done i think i I was just telling you, I wrote like the equivalent of like 21 articles or something like that for for the guide. It was uh, pretty insane, but it is out and available uh, via PDF, waiting on Amazon and some difficulties there, uh, because apparently it doesn't like the same title I've used for the last four years. So annoying. (laughs) I don't understand it. It's like, this may be misleading. I don't don't know how. It's the exact same title but uh it'll be on amazon soon if you want the pdf version uh you can email me justinmasonfantasy at gmail.com it's seven dollars for about 350 pages so nice. uh it's a great it's, price it's a, yeah it's a pretty good deal um so yeah you can email me and then uh, uh i'll let you know how you can do the rest so hey, there you go so reach out to justin get your uh friends Fantasy benefits guide let's dive in let's talk Transactions here. We'll go in uh, in order of most recent because we had one last night drop with Liam Hendricks going to the White Sox. One Chicago team is not crying poor. You like to see that, mm-hmm. and uh, they you know they dropped a big bomb with this deal. This is this is a huge deal where they're paying big money. He's getting fifty four mil, and it's a interesting deal in that there is an option. Yet he's getting the fifty four mil no matter. Mm-hmm. So, what's the point of the option? I don't know. It's a three-year the the deal. option is if they do. So it's a fifteen million dollar option. If they and he, but he's guaranteed that fifteen mil even if if they opt out. So, so like the buyout is fifteen mil, but it's the fifteen mil would be paid out over a longer period of time if they opt out. Okay. So okay. that's that's the difference. Is I think it's like six or seven years they have to pay the fifteen mil out. Okay. Well, either way, he got absolute stacks. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, the three year fifty four, then fifteen on top of that. Um, I didn't mean to imply that it was fifty four for the four years, but yeah. But he's going to get that either way. It's just a matter of the term, and obviously he'd have to be pretty bad for them not to want Hendricks for the 15 mil if they're going to have to pay it out anyway. Like, he'd have to completely melt down. Now, he's a little bit older. You know, we're talking about a 32-year-old here, but he's really turned himself into one of the absolute best relievers in the game. It's a little bit of a surprising uh, money deal as for, in terms of how much he got uh, with regards to what relievers are generally paid. But if you're looking at him right now in these last two years, you can you can say he absolutely deserves it from that aspect. I you know relievers are volatile though, so I don't even want to get caught up in what might happen in years three and four. Let's talk about the here and now. He obviously becomes the closer there in Chicago. I think it was assumed that they would entertain getting somebody. Not that Aaron Bummer couldn't have handled it, um, and even as a lefty, they have Garrett Crochet and Jace Fry, so they wouldn't have been putting their only lefty there. 
I think they just wanted somebody a little bit more firm. And so instead, they got the very best guy out on the market there. So Hendricks, is he your number one reliever or is it still Josh Hader? I think it's Hendricks. Um, and I think you may obviously make an argument for uh, for Hader, especially with Hader's ability to go multiple innings. Um, but I don't know. I mean, Hendricks has just been so money pretty much for the last two years. And I yeah. mean, even if you want to go back, like maybe the service numbers weren't as good, obviously, but like he's never really, I mean, he hasn't really been bad since like 2014. Um, so 15. I, uh, 15, no, t- 2015, he threw what, 64 innings, 292 ERA. Yeah. Yeah. He hasn't been bad since 14. since two that. Yeah. 2014. Um, I see what you're saying. Sorry, I was I was interpreting it wrong as though you were saying that uh, 14 was included. You were correct. I'm sorry. Uh, but, yeah, so he's been good for a while. And like you said, there was a little bumpiness with, like, the ERA, say, in mm-hmm. 18 and, and 17. But 17 specifically, the, the core stats were still good. Strikeout rate fell a bit in 18, but then turned on a new level starting yeah. in 19 and has, you know, right there in the convo for the absolute best reliever since the start of 19 and and might just be even the uh the firm winner there he's he's just been mm-hmm. amazing and so you got him at number 1 now now in the different it, with the difference between he and Hater and I think we have them one two we both have them one two is team context playing a role here as to why you're going with Hendricks yeah i mean there is some risk that Hater doesn't close all the games. And so you lose out on maybe some saves as they try to optimize his usage. Um, and, I mean, as much as I think Hater is, you know, an awesome relief pitcher, like he had some moments last year that were not very good. So, and the year uh, before, he had a 1.8 yeah. home run rate in 19. It seemed like he was either going to go 1, 2, 3, or give up a homer and make it a little scary. Um, mm-hmm. And that's kind of what we're looking at here with 18 homers allowed since the start of 19. That In, in the 94 and two-thirds, that's good for a 1.7 mark. And throw in the fact that he can walk guys from time to time yeah. as well. And it becomes a little bit of like, are we seeing the cracks that we see with a reliever who you know has their run as elite and then comes back to earth a little bit? Uh, for comparison's sake... Just six homers from Hendricks, a point five mm-hmm. mark, and a two point zero walk rate, uh, as opposed to the four point something that that Hader has. So there are and, certain differences there. And I mean, you know, kind of <laughs> disagreeing with my earlier point. I mean, he only went, uh, and this is Hader. I'm speaking about. He uh, Hader only went uh, over one inning pitched in one outing last year. I was actually going to bring that up. Yeah. Um, and cause so, we're used to him being that multi-inning guy and he still wasn't 19. So maybe it's a short season. They short don't want to se- overuse yeah, them. Weird year type of thing, but maybe it's, Hey, too much of a home run machine. Doesn't have it like that anymore. So we can't afford to let him be that two inning guy. Cause we don't want to wear him down. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, the the bottom line is Hendricks I think is a stud and I mean I was it I was in an interesting situation in, in my most recent draft last night because I was literally like on deck when the signing came through. Did and, he get picked before you? 
No. Or actually, I was I was two picks away, and I was like, and I really wanted Corbin Burns, uh, and Burns went, and I was like, oh, now I think I have to take Hendricks if he falls to me because, I mean, anytime someone signs, their ADP just starts going through the roof, right? Absolutely. So, Absolutely. And there was some concerns with Hendricks that there were teams that were linked to him where he wouldn't necessarily be the full-time closer, at least out of the gate. You know, Mm -hmm. the Dodgers had been linked to him. The Mets had been linked to him. Um, So when he signed with Chicago, I was like, oh, I think I've got to just take him. And I did. And I'm I'm happy with it. So uh, I just, you know, I I just think there is kind of a top three in terms of closers uh, with Hayter, Aroldis Chapman, and, and Hendricks. I, th- I think people are going to put them in a lot of different orders. Hendricks is at the top for me, and then it's Hader and, and then Chapman. I agree. That That's my top three as well, and then it really starts to open up into a cluster of uh, of uncertainty, to be honest. Uh, let's move out to the uh, Washington, D.C. area and talk about the Kyle Schwarber signing that, that happened a little bit, bit ago. And I think this is a perfect move for them. This is exactly the kind of offensive fusion. They need pop. They've got, you know, they've got their core of guys who are studs, Turner, Soto. Um, actually, it's really just those two now. And then, you know, we got to see if, like, Victor Robles is ready to join them. Can Carter Keyboom pan out? So it's really just those two. Well, then they traded for Bell, a move I like. I think they bought low on Bell. And now they bring in Schwarber, another buy low. So they get two guys to fit in that middle of the lineup for them that – if they can turn it around and get back to what we saw in in 19 from them, that really turns around the the lineup there uh, for Washington. Schwarber still has his pop. That's kind of you know all he had really in the in the 30 game uh, excuse me the 60 game season. He played 59 of them, hit 11 homers, but 188, 308, 393, and even that the pop was still a little light. 204 ISO, anything over 200, you know that's that you're a power guy. But we're talking 282, 229, 256 the last three years for his ISO. And that's just slugging minus average to weed out the singles there. And so even the power was down a bit for him. Now, I am not terribly worried about this season. I, you know, didn't go well, but a 219 Babbitt, I think, is a big part of uh, you know, what happened there. The exit velo did come down. Um, and, and really, I'm not bugging out on that. Uh, it's less than one, one mile per hour. But the barrel rate definitely did come down three points, and that is certainly something to pay attention to. Four points on the hard hit rate, uh, the the Statcast hard hit rate, by the way, which is a little bit more refined than ours. Ours is just a little bit of more of a general 95 plus. It only came down one point on that, but not all 95 mile an hour batted balls are created equally, and that's what Statcast aims to get to, get to the heart of. And then a big change was 38 to 51% in ground ball rate, a big jump up 13 points there. And so that's really doing a lot of the the damage there on Schwarber's numbers. And then they're not even going for singles. You know, at least if you were going to get on the ground like that, you get some more hits, but then you throw in the 219 Babbitt with it. And it was a tough year. I do think he'll rebound and, and be a nice power force for them, but uh, it's hard to say anything, but, but 2020 was a disappointment. How did you feel about Schwarber headed to Washington? I mean, I think it's kind of a perfect fit, uh, especially considering it's a spot where he's not going to likely platoon. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we assume the DH is coming to yeah. the National League. So 
Uh, if the defense uh, becomes a problem again, uh, they can always kind of shift him there. Uh, I, I, yeah, I mean, I really like it. I mean, you're going to have Soto and Bell and Turner hitting in front of you. I mean, there's no reason he shouldn't get to 100 RBIs. Uh, and probably 30 home runs. The question is, what is the batting average going to look like? I tend to believe, like you do, that he is going to bounce back. That uh, he'll be probably like a 240, 250 guy with 30 home runs, 100 RBI. And uh, good OBP I, too, because he takes his walks. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, 13% walk rate last year and a 13% for his career. So um, I'm... I'm I'm all aboard the Schwarber train, which is not something I've said in the past, but uh, it's a, it's a really nice price. And I'll be interested to see in your next market report about mm-hmm. outfielders uh, what this does for his price because he's trending at right around pick 200 right now. We talked about him. I think that would have been last episode or the one before. Um, in between Victor Reyes and Andrew McCutcheon, so with those three there, it's kind of what do you really need at that point? Uh, they, they each kind of fill a different role, but he's going to move up. Like we've talked about when somebody gets signed, their ADP goes up, you know, mm-hmm. now they have a firm place. So I could see him really being more in the Max Kepler area, uh, somewhere in between Kepler and Gallo. Cause there's a little bit of a split between those two at 167 to 183. I could see Schwarber fitting right in the middle of there, somewhere in the one seventies. And it's a price I'll still pay by the way, uh, yeah. because I think that's fair for a guy who could hit 40 homers. Yeah, I mean, I haven't written up outfielders for this go-around yet, um, but if, you know, taking a quick look, he actually dropped since my last uh, my last update of November for him. So uh, I would assume it, it goes back up, and like you said, he probably lands somewhere around the, the Max Kepler area does seem kind of right. Um, maybe even moving up into, like, the Joey Gallo area, yeah, I, you know, I think that's five-ish. One, or sorry, one sixty-five. Yeah, I think that's about his peak. Um, because I mean, they they share so many similarities. To be mm-hmm. honest, uh, you know, you feel better about the power investment with Gallo, but you would feel much better about the batting average investment with Schwarber. So it's just a matter of which one you you want a little more. And it's not unreasonable to. Imagine a scenario where Schwarber could match Gallo's power output. Mm-hmm. Like he has that sort of 40 plus homer upside. So this is a good fit. Good job by Washington. They're still rebuilding their offense here. Um, I'm not even sure that they're necessarily done. I could see another no. move in this same sort of Bell Schwarber realm. And Wouldn't then, surprise me to see like a Chris Bryant type trade for them. I was going to say, and then part of, potential big deal would be Chris Bryant trade, which I would love. I think it's a perfect fit for them. Mm-hmm. I think you can buy somewhat low. Uh, he should be. I don't know. Maybe I'm just going off of the the general public, which isn't a great thing to always do. But there's this notion that he's washed now, and I think that's insane. He had a disastrous twenty as did a lot of Cubs. We just talked about one, and I do not think that uh, he's washed at all. So a fresh start out in Washington would be a perfect fit. That way he takes some pressure off Keyboom too. He would still play. You know, he can play second. Mm-hmm. Um, not to mention that Bryant can play the outfield, and we do think the DH is going to be there. So if that happened, you can get Bryant and still play Keyboom. You put 
you put Schwarber at DH, Brian at left, Keyboom at third. At third. Bang, boom. Garcia at second. Yeah, so everything still works out from that aspect. And if they got Brian, all of a sudden that offense turns into Mm -hmm. a force, I think. So we'll keep an eye on what Washington's doing out there, but good move with Schwarber. Uh, Let's talk some more outfielders. Let's, Let's dive a bit deeper now. Maybe you, maybe you said 267 there by mistake because that's around where we're at now. Talking late playing time here with a group of guys. These guys feel pretty set for playing time. At least three of the four. One of them is Tampa Bay Ray, so you never really know. But he should play a decent amount because we expect that they're going to move Kiermaier after trading Snell. But it's Brandon Nimmo at 260, Manuel Margot at 261, Cole Calhoun 263, and then David Peralta 272. Um, let's just uh, do. Do you have one that stands out as a mega favorite? Otherwise, if not, we can just go at in order for them. I mean, I have two guys that I like more than the rest. Well, let's um, just take and, them in order then. Let's and, just start and, and it's them. in order. So I mean, okay. I like Nimmo and Margot more than more than Calhoun and Peralta. So so let's start with with Nimmo here. Projected to still be batting atop the Mets lineup. Um because Lindor's taking the three spot. So, oh, man, with his OBP, he's batting behind McNeil, or batting in front of McNeil, Lindor, Conforto. Oh, my God, the runs. Um, you know, he had a really good season in the in, in the two-monther here. Eight homers, eight, 18 ribs, but 284-0484. Really good. Um, big batting average that we'd never seen before. He's always had the OBP, but adding the batting average this year was really nice. He has, I don't know, I, I don't put him for much of a speed component. He had one this year, three last year in 69 games, nine in his only foolish season uh, of 140 games. And that's a little bit of an issue, too, is his health. He dealt with it in the minors. He's dealt with it in the majors. But if we're playing that, he can uh, uh, you know, play a full season and, and get back up to at least the 140. This is somebody who, he could score 100 runs in that time. This is such a good lineup, and he's he's such a good OBP guy that I believe he could score that many uh, that many runs just in 140. So I like Nimmo as well. Now, are you concerned about maybe like the George Springer rumors? Yeah, and that that's the biggest issue is like right now he he looks like a guy that I really want to buy in on, and uh, and I have I mean I've I've already gotten him a number of leagues because the price is really affordable. Uh, and if they don't sign Springer, he could be in a really, really good position. That being said, I mean, they seem like, it seems like it's Springer's coming down to Toronto and the Mets. And, I mean, the Mets have, you know, what seems to be the deepest pockets now in Major League Baseball. Yeah. So yeah. you would assume that that gives them a huge advantage and if they do sign Springer, I assume that Nimmo. I think Nimmo still plays. I think Dom Smith becomes the uh, DH um, in the this thing. scenario. We we still operate with the DH in mind, mm-hmm. so I don't know that it necessarily hurts because he just go Nimmo just goes to left, Dom to DH, Springer to center. He just falls down the lineup, right? That would be the yeah. That would be the concern. You're right. You're right. That's the concern. Now this lineup's so good though. That I don't want to say it wouldn't matter. Of course it would matter. McNeil, Lindor, Conforto is better than batting in front of, uh, say, you know, J.D. Davis, McCann, mm-hmm. and, the, and, well, and then I guess it would be the top of the lineup again with, with Springer. 
It's not that big. It, it's a hit. It's a hit. Mm-hmm. And volume alone will will take a hit when you move from from one to six um, or, or seven. But it's not kill your value mm-hmm. uh, bad, especially at two sixty. Right? If he was trending in the early two hundreds, late one hundreds because of his runs potential for Nimmo, and then something like the Springer move happened, that would hurt. But he's already down here at 260, so I wouldn't even I wouldn't even trip on on a p- potential Springer move because I don't really think that um, it's going to make him not be worth 260 still. Yeah, and I mean he's a guy that is a strong platoon option because he I mean just look at his 2020 hit 311 against right-handed hitters or right-handed pitchers hit 196 against lefties. Oof. Um, and I mean, and that's, I mean, obviously his, I don't believe his career splits are at quite, they're not as drastic. So 243 lifetime against lefties. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's, he's probably going to drop in the lineup versus, uh, versus lefties or may not even be in the lineup right now. They don't have like a natural platoon partner, but mm-hmm. we don't think the Mets are done. So they could easily go out and get a, a bench, you know, uh, weak side platoon kind of bat, um, to uh, work with him, I, I still like the price. The price is great. Um, I'll yeah. be interested to see if his price moves with the uh, signing of Lindor, um, because yeah, if they I did think that, some I... people will be looking at roster resources and going, "Oh, look who's hitting!" You know, in front of Lindor. No, I think so. I think it would drop a discount in there for us um, on Nimmo if they got uh, if they for did sure. indeed get Springer. So that that would certainly work out. We'll have to keep a closer eye on that. As those rumors continue to percolate, uh, you mentioned you like Margot as well, and you know just by virtue of being a Ray, we should assume that he's not going to put up 600 plate appearances. But you know, if they do trade Kiermaier, they're not going to be able to trade Kiermaier. I, if anyone can be traded. Yes, they, I mean, and the one team, you know, if I had confidence in one team to finagle a deal. It would it would be them. I, I I don't know why you believe that so firmly. Um, I mean I know he's I know he's due money, but it's not that expensive, and he's he's still elite defensively. And he had a pretty decent year at the dish for him. You know, ninety three WRC plus is his best in the last three years. So if you can be near average with the bat and premium elite in center field, I think people might be interested. But let's talk about Margot, who's also right around there, right around that average mark, ninety two. Now, where he really showed out, uh, he had a little strong off that, that might help his uh, his interest. He did have 12 stolen bases in the regular season, but just one homer, 269, 327, 352. Uh, that's a really ugly slug. Not known for power. Although I, I will say, back when he was with the Padres and he had that rookie year with 13 homers, 17 steals, it was looking like, hey, man, he might be able to be a power speed guy. It's still tilted toward the speed. I didn't think he was going to necessarily add a ton to the 13 homers, but I was wondering if he could live in the teens home run area and then push the stolen bases up into the mid twenties, low thirties. Well, it hasn't really played out that way. He did go 12 and 20 in 2019, but one and 12 this year. And even accounting for the short season, one Homer is disastrous. But I mentioned the playoffs for Margo because he did start to find some pop there. His swing really did come together and he put up five homers in 65 plate appearances during the the playoffs. 
So where do you kind of, where do you kind of stand on him? Are you drafting him just for the speed, or do you think there is some some late you know just a little bit of pop there? Nothing crazy, but a little bit of pop there that you can feel like you're going to get double digit home runs out of your your steals component there. Yeah, I think there is. Uh, I mean, a little bit of pop. I mean, obviously, we're. I don't think we're talking about a guy who is getting close to twenty home runs, but I think ten to fifteen is in the cards, uh, especially if uh, he is playing full time. And right now, it seems, you know, especially with the Rays making moves to try to um, try to, you know. St- trade away some money mm-hmm. um they could easily just say you know margot's our guy and right now roster resource has him batting fifth in this lineup uh and with no platoon partner yep. um and so i mean i think that 10 homers 20 stolen bases is a kind of conservative projection and that's actually where steamer kind of has them they have them at 11 18 but I think there's upside of a 15-30 season uh, in Margot and pretty much the guy we thought we were getting when he was coming up through the minors. Uh, and I, I was extremely impressed by what he did late late in the season and then obviously what he did in the playoffs. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm buying him, yep. especially at the price. I mean, how many, how many late speed guys come at a huge deficit somewhere else and marco doesn't do that no especially if if that one homer from this year is more of a fluke and you're not because you don't want to take that that kind of zero at power there um you know anything under anything like five and under is is a relative zero for the spot in power so i I like marco as well um and we'll see how the rays offseason trends but and I also don't mind him batting fifth there, and that tells me that they believe that there's some punch. You don't you don't put you don't put a punchless bat at five, and if that's where they're going to be batting him, I mean that's where we have him on roster resource. Um, he, he does Jason does research on that to really make sure he's making the right decisions, and that's about where he was batting in the playoffs five six uh, four a couple times too to be honest. So if if that's where Margot is, that's saying that he can have a little bit of punch and a uh, great speed component as well. Let's go to Cole Calhoun, who, you know, has quietly kind of been a nice little late power source the last two years. And, you know, he hit 33 homers in 2019. I think it went under the radar a bit. And he actually improved upon that this year, hitting 16 in just 54 games with a 526 slug. I mean, this is a guy who. The two years before this hit 19 homers with sub 400 slugs. So, um, you know, where the hell did this come from? He found he found dad strength or something. Did he have a baby? Did his wife have mm-hmm. a baby in 2019 or something? He got dad strength? Because <laughs> Cole Calhoun's all of a sudden a nice late slugger to go for, averaging, if you take his, his 2019 and 2020, that is 34, or excuse me, 39 homers per 162. What do you think about Cole Calhoun? Are you, are you investing in the power and taking the batting average hit? Oh man, it's it's. I guess you can. I mean, it's all about barrels for him. You know, his barrel percentage has just steadily increased each of the last four seasons. So in 2017, his barrel percentage was 5.4 percent. 
then it jumps to 9.3%, then it jumps to 11.2%, and then even in 2020, 11.8%. So it's like he's just barreling the ball, and it kind of makes up for, uh, you know, I mean, pretty much average um, average exit velocity and hard hit percentage, and uh, he just he's just kind of a barrel machine. And um, I'm, like, he's just not kind of my favorite guy, especially being a little bit older at 33. Um, and I don't necessarily love the team around him. Uh, he could definitely be a trade candidate uh, as they, you know, I mean, they've got him signed through 2021 with a club option. So, I don't know. I mean, I, I just... Though. You know, and I, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know. I think that owner, like, they underperformed in 20. And I really like them, so maybe I'm just buying right back into the Kool-Aid that I drank in 20. But Cattell Marte, Christian Walker, David Peralta, who we're about to talk about right now, too. Um, Escobar, Varsho. That's a that's a perfectly playable top six there, especially if Varsho comes through on his big hype that's being uh, put upon him in the fantasy market. So, you know, as far as, like, Scoring his runs and everything, because that's he's, he's he's the leadoff hitter there. So RBIs mm-hmm. aren't going to be a driving force. Interesting type to have up there though, with that kind of power to be batting leadoff. But he does get on base uh, relative to his mm-hmm. his batting average. Now, no one's going to do a backflip for a 3.29 OBP, but it's in comparison to a 2.30 average. So he has near that 100 point split that you like to see, um, and. And they just don't have other options. Exactly. I mean, I mean you, you like could it's... flip them with Marte, I guess, but it, it's kind of—I don't think it's going to change that much. And and he's he's a perfectly capable guy atop the lineup there for Calhoun. It's just an interesting thing because you get power, and usually with with power you expect batting average or not batting average—you expect ribbies, and you're more likely to get runs from him because he's batting atop the lineup. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he's a good defender, yeah. so like he's not gonna guaranteed. he's not gonna lose time. I, I think he has more value in leagues where compilers make sense. Okay, so fifteen team mix deeper, um, he kind of give him a little bit of a bump. I just I don't know that his bat is anything so special that in a shallower ten or a twelve team league that he's really that interesting to me. I think he's probably a 22 to 26 homer bat with like a 230 batting average, um, you know, but a lot of runs okay. and not very many RBIs. So, I mean, it's it's not a bad, you know, just a little bland. It seems like there's it's a, yeah, just you don't you don't expect a Cole Calhoun breakout. Right? Yeah. Like I, I don't think we don't. I think we're. I don't think we're seeing I think it happen. The 2019. Yeah. yeah happen again. I think it. You know. It happened, and it happened to be a two-month season because he had a 526 mm-hmm. slug this year. So um, you're really hoping to maybe just replicate 19, and we'll see how that goes. But it's not as a profile. I just don't really want to bet on that much. You know, I just don't get the warm yeah. fuzzies trying to bet on him. I'll take the next guy. I'll take guys in the next category. Uh, pretty much throughout the rest of the show here, I'm taking guys. I'm finding reasons to take guys over him. But you know, if you got him, you're fine. Especially if you need a little punch. Mm-hmm. So let's talk to his teammate, David Peralta, who well for years because I just love batting average late in a draft. And, you know, he spiked the 30 homer season, which was awesome. Um, but then promptly went back down to 12. Now it was in 99 games, but that's still not a 30 homer pace. So, you know, the power came down. That 516 slug is a clear outlier from 2018 and is not coming back. 
Um, there's no real reason to believe that it is. And his price is back down here to where he's just a late, uh, he's just a late batting average oasis for you. And that's tough to find. So I still like drafting him. And if I am putting together some guys, you know, I got some Gallo types and, and things like that. I got a little bit of a batting average challenge Then I'm really looking to put David Peralta on the team late. You know, he's a, he's a career 291 hitter. He had 300 this past season in the two months. Um, 275 is his low over the last four years from 2019. So, yeah, he kind of is what he is. I like him a lot. And I like him a lot better than Calhoun. So David Peralta is my guy as far as uh, as far as this this group here with Nimmo coming in second for me. What do you think of Peralta? Yeah, I'm not a big Peralta guy. I just, I mean, the lack of power, the lack of speed, you know, so you're, it's really kind of an empty batting average. Um, and then you look at, you know, stat cast profile, and it's like he only barrels the ball like 5% of the time, uh, which is 27th percentile in the league. His X batting average was 263 this last year. I think you're sleeping uh, a little bit on the on on the power contribution. Um, in that you know it's not game changing, but you just look at his last two seasons. It's it's kind of perfect because it is a season's worth of performance. Six forty one plate appearances in one hundred fifty three games. Seventeen homers, ninety one ribs, with a two eighty four average. Can you can you give him a full season's worth of projected playing time? Considering he's, I mean, I think issues staying healthy. I think one hundred twenty five, one hundred thirty games at this point. Okay, and he's he's being projected so eighteen and seventy with a two sixty nine, which I think the two sixty nine sells him short. So I'll take eighteen seventy with a with a two eighty. I'll gladly take that here and then figure out the other thirty games from a fill in, and and be happy with how my roster spot's playing out there. I, I think he really gives you something uh, tangible late with that batting average, which you just can't usually find without it being truly empty. I, the only thing I'm really pushing back on is the idea that it's empty, because to me, empty is like yeah, David Fletcher. five home runs, yeah. yeah, or, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking 250, or 275, 280 with 15 home runs. That's fine. Like if, That's, Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, depends, it, it, it depends on the games. If he does stay yeah. healthy, and he, he bet a couple of buck 40s back in 29, uh, excuse me, uh, 17 and 18 when he was 29 and 30, but health is an issue. So penciling him in for many more than like even 120, I think you start to get in the danger zone. That's why steamers at 130. So that's that's totally fair. I'm not going to push back on on health being a concern at all. But if you were to spike at least the 500 plate appearances, I think you're going to get teens homers, uh, a, a requisite number, you know, a, a, a matching number of ribbies in terms of what you would normally expect from from that because he's going to be in the middle of the order. Which again, I think the order. At the top, at least, is viable. He'll have guys on to drive in with the good batting average, and I do like that. So that's where I'm at with with Peralta. This is a good group, though. I don't think you can really go wrong. And if you have the right need, um, they all kind of do something like Nimmo with with the uh, with the runs scored and and maybe batting average if he holds on what he did this previous year. Margot obviously clear speed without being an empty power. Uh, power from Calhoun and then batting average from Peralta. So they all give you something and they're all going to play uh, a lot, uh, particularly if they stay healthy. So, all right, let's go to this next group here. Are these guys good, right? Because they've all done <laughs> a little something in the in recent years, uh, one one or two of, you know, of the recent years. But are they actually good? We've got Mark Canha, 
Rymel Tapia, which, by the way, I think he's c- close to 30, so he's right in that wheelhouse of what Colorado actually cares about. Player. Oh, yeah, so that's, uh, that's a prospect to them. 27 is, is wheelhouse there. He, yeah, he, he crossed 26, and they're like, okay, it's time to start giving us a exactly. playing time. Let's see what we got. Uh, and then Brian Reynolds, who had a great 19 and then couldn't follow it up. Um, Kanha, who's who's been good the last two years, and Tapia, who you know still plays in Colorado, had a pretty good year this year that went a little bit under the radar. But he's that empty speed mm-hmm. I'm talking about, where he only had one homer to go with it. So I'll, I'll start with the same question: Is there a particular favorite that you have here, or do you just want to take them in order? I think it's Tapia. Okay, it, it's the late speed and batting average. Um, you're playing in Colorado; they let him lead off. Uh, you know. Kevin Pillar is is gone, and it does not look like the Rockies are really interested in in spending any money because they they got they cut loose David Dahl for three million or whatever it was. Disgusting. Um, so I, I just think that he is pretty locked into uh, a pretty good role at the top of that Colorado lineup, yep. and um, you know it wasn't like you know. He wasn't. He's not a guy who walks a ton, but he did improve the walk rate and cut the strikeouts. So the, the yeah, combo the there makes it, makes it all look mm-hmm. a bit better. There's seven percent walk, eighteen percent K, ninety percent zone contact rate. Um, yeah, I mean, I think he's a guy that could be like, a, I mean, five to ten uh, home runs. So nothing, nothing super exciting, but fifteen to twenty maybe even more stolen bases and a good average. I mean, I, I like him better than, like, Peralta, who's the batting average play uh, that you liked in the last yeah. year. So I still prefer uh, Peralta, but, you know, Tapia, if they turn him loose and they don't sit him against lefties, I could see, you know, I is he fast enough to actually steal, like, have a big steal season if they turned him loose and, and let him could you think he could steal 30 if they're just like you can go and not not you can go and just get caught a bunch obviously if he was getting caught they'd have to slow him down but he's 17 for 22 over the last two seasons which is about uh enough volume to set what a leadoff hitter would get if he was just left alone 653 plate appearances and that's a 77 percent clip that's that's plus that's that's what you want do you think he could get up to like thirty steals, or is it capped in the in the low twenties? I think it's probably capped in the low twenties. Um, but I mean, I guess there is the potential. The reason I, I agree mean, is because I feel like if he could do it, he'd have been given the opportunity because they'll give their guys that can run the opportunity. Story. And Hampson, Garrett Hampson disagrees. Yeah, well, no, because he still got 18 attempts in 327 points. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah. Back in in 19, um, he was six for seven this this year. So I don't know. I think that they just see him as more of an opportunistic runner, Tapia. That is, than somebody who who gets the the full green light. I think he's in between the green and yellow light, which doesn't make sense because it's you got to pick one or the other but i feel like that that's the vibe i get isn't that like you can run but like don't just every time you get on go crazy so i don't know man i i'm not, I'm not averse to taking him here if i need the speed what about between him and margot you compared him to peralta but he and margot seem to have some reasonable comps 
in terms of what they offer here. Who would you rather have between those two? I think I'd rather have Margot. Okay. Um, but I think there's an argument to be made for for Tapia for sure, uh, especially if you prefer the batting average to the power at that point in the draft. If you've already drafted maybe like a Joey Gallo or a Kyle Schwarber type player, and you're looking, you're like, oh, I got the power on lock, but I, I really need to pump up my batting average. Now he's not going to hit 321 again. Like that's not, you know, I mean, he had a 392 BABIP. Uh, but I think like 275, 280 is in play for him with, you know, like I said, 15 to 20 stolen bases. Um, and I think that, I think he's more of um, uh, a lower ceiling than Margot, okay. potentially, uh, more, more than likely. So, uh, but I, I like both. Um, and I've already gotten both on a number of teams. Okay, cool. Let's talk Canha, because Mark Canha, I think, has very quietly done what he's done over the last two years, which is be a monster. Um, he kind of broke out in, in 19. He was solid in, in 18, by the way. And so maybe that I'm sure there's folks out there who kind of saw uh, an opportunity to kind of get him super cheap. And, and they got the 19 breakout right when it happened in, in a deep enough league. Cause he had a 114 WRC plus with 17 homers and 411 plate appearances jumped to 19 26 homers, a 146 WRC plus. That's 273, 396, 517 on the slash line there. And, you know, he came back to earth a little bit this year, but was still very good. 127 WRC plus with five homers and four steals. The four steals in 59 games is pretty nice too because he only had three in 126 games the year before. You're not really expecting much there. I I, I think I'd put four as his full season projection. But it was nice to spike for it in just the two months when he was hitting five homers along with it. The batting average really came down uh, this year compared to 19 from 273 to 246. But the but the OBP really, really drives his value here. He can take his walks. Mark Canna had a 15% mark this year, 14% the year before as far as his walk rate. Um, I think the real question is where do you believe his power is? When he spiked the big season – in 19, it was a uh, 244 ISO, it was, and it was 200 in 2018, kind of projecting maybe some uh, some pop there, but it dropped all the way to 162 this year. So you can almost give him like a lot of credit for still maintaining a 127 WRC plus despite the power tanking. Do you see it rebounding, or is is this uh, you know 32 year old four corner guy who can play? Uh, by the way, that, that's right, left, first, and third. Um, is he just kind of an okay guy who's who's going to disappoint if you overdraft? Although I guess at this price, you're not really overdrafting him. So I guess let me just ask, where are you at on Canha after these two good years in a row? He is a weird anomaly in a number of different ways. But... Uh, like let's first talk about his splits versus lefties and righties. So in 2018, he, you know, uh, does what you expect him to do, which is struggle against righties, but you know, hit 282 against lefties. 2019, he is like the exact opposite platoon splits. Um, crushes righties and then struggles against lefties. And then in 2020, he reverts back to what he did 
in 2018 where he crushes lefties and is awful against righties. I, I don't know what to make of Mark Canhoff. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I don't really, to be just, honest. That, like, I don't understand um, what is going on with him as much. This is one where, like, the numbers don't make a ton of sense necessarily, and so it's 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 going to be important for me to go back and watch some more tape on him. Uh, that being said, like, I mean, here's the thing. Like, if he kind of does what he did in 2019, I mean, I guess you're like, oh, that's a really good value for where it's going. But, like, I think the more likely outcome is a mix between his 2018 and 2019, which is, like, 22 home runs and, like, a 250 batting average, maybe even 260. And it's not bad, but it's also not a guy that is going to win you your league or anything. And there are other guys around here that I think help fill more important stat categories than Mark Anhaw, especially if he ends up getting platoon. Okay. I mean, that I, I, I can't really push back too much on that. I think the best part is is that you're not overpaying for what he's done the last two years, and and that's that's what keeps him still worth drafting, especially if you're a believer. You're you're not even being taxed on on your on your sleeper if you really like him, and if you just take Steamer, 22 homers, four steals, 247 in 600 plate appearances, you're fine with that. 76 on both the runs and ribbies, that that feels pretty good to plug into your lineup there. So, look. yeah, and that feels pretty like spot yeah. on. I think that's so I'll take uh, that all day. I think that's really, um, I mean, I wish he still maintained that first base eligibility so you can move him. Between first and yeah, outfield. Yeah, is he just outfield now? He's just outfield. Okay, so he, he played, only like played three games. A, a little, he had to have played a little third at some point in recent years because he still has that eligibility on MLB The Show, but it's not nearly enough to qualify uh, at third. In yeah, Honestly, actually, I don't know why they do it. They do their stats based on three years, and I'm seeing here he has not played third base since 16. So, hey. We'll yeah. take it. I put him at third base and then will be the show sometimes, and <laughs> it works for me. But, yeah, so he's just an outfield guy. He may get some first base reps here and there if if they want to give Olsen a breather at DH, and so maybe he adds it in season. But for now, just outfield uh, for Marcana. Let's talk Brian Reynolds because he's an interesting guy who had a really fun breakout in 2019. And am I correct? Uh, is this one of your guys? Do you like him? Did you like him in 19? I, I liked him coming into 19, yeah. So – you know, has the great season, 16 homers, 314 average, breakout with uh, with Pittsburgh, gets drafted as, you know, a batting average guy that isn't going to be empty batting average. Give me, give me my double-digit homers and uh, decent runs, even though it's Pittsburgh, it was still atop the lineup, so you'll get a certain volume there of like 80-plus, maybe 90, um, and it all fell apart. 189, 275, 357 this year, seven homers. Uh, so where do we stand? Uh, you know, you got the breakout at the high end. You got this meltdown at the low end of 55 games. Is he just somewhere in between? Is this the anomaly and he can get back more to 19? Where do you come out on the 26-year-old Brian Reynolds at this point? Oh, man. He, I mean, he completely fell apart. Um, and there's not... I mean, th- I mean, there's a little bit of, of reason why, but... Like, there's nothing in his profile that should have, like, he shouldn't have fallen apart to a 189 batting average. So, 
You can blame a little bit of it, a little bit of it on the Babbitt, but not all of it. I mean, his ex batting average was 228, so he deserved a lot of what he got. Um, you know, the strikeouts really went through the roof. You know, still maintained decent contact rates, um, but this is a guy that doesn't have much pop in that bat, and uh, in spite of hitting seven home runs, I mean, exit velocity is 28. Uh, 28th percentile, hard hit percentage, 44th percentile. Still barrels the ball decently. I mean, I think there's obviously some bounce back here, but like, I don't think we're getting anywhere close to what we saw in 2019. Like, 2019 was just a dream season mm -hmm. for him. Uh, I think we're looking at like a high teens homer guy with like a 275 batting average, which is fine, um, especially because I think he's going to lead off in. Uh, in Pittsburgh, um, yeah. But I mean, how how different is he than than Peralta? I guess, or I mean, I mean, you like Peralta, so maybe. Oh, I guess he's not going to lead off. I mean, at fourth is is. Oh wow! Really? What roster resource has for him? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I mean, yeah. I'm whatever. I'm a little surprised. He, you know, their lineup sucks. Ten percent so walk bad, rate. Yeah. I mean, he could he could, <laughs> he could hit all anywhere in that lineup. I mean, that lineup is is so bad. But um, I don't know. I, I, I he's only twenty six. Yeah. So like between he and Peralta, by the way, to just answer your question real quick, I, I just I don't think he's as firm as of a batting average guy. You know, he, he had yeah. a three eighty seven BABIP driving his twenty nineteen breakout. So, you know, am I am I buying a fluke? And, and not saying he's the 231 Babbitt 189 average of 2020, but is he a bland 260? Mm -hmm. Whereas I think Peralta's floor is 275, like realistic floor. Obviously, there's injury issues and, and things that can happen. There's bad luck. But if I'm putting a projection down, I'm not going lower than 275 on, on Peralta. Whereas, you know, I'm... I don't know what I'm getting out of Reynolds. And even though it's an older and more uh, – with the injury history guy of Peralta, I'm still buying him over Reynolds personally. I'm not I'm not just buying the youth just because he's young. I think Peralta – You're buying the track record. Yeah. And, I mean, that's – and I think that's fair. Like, I mean, I – is there a chance he, he bounces back? Um, sure. There's obviously a chance. But I just – I don't know that the – like – Taking the shot that it doesn't bounce back, I want to have some sort of other skill that gives me a little bit of a floor, and there isn't one. Like, he's not going to steal a ton of bases. He's not going to hit a bunch of home runs. You're really banking on the batting average. Uh, and he hit for a ton of average there. in the minors, Brian Reynolds did. So, like, he did. It, it is more likely that he bounced. Like, I'm, I'm inclined to... Uh, give him a, a pass on 20 to a degree of like that this isn't who he is but I'm not mm -hmm. just putting him right back to 19 because of the Babbitt surge that he had to get that batting average so if it is just more of like a 275 280 if it is kind of Peraltian sure I would like that because I like Peralta but I just don't know that I'm getting that so like I said between the two give me the guy who's had the track record of doing it year after year yeah. that's what I'm saying but if you want some batting average late, 
you can get it from Brian Reynolds. You're likely you're likely going to be able to get him. Let's move over to this this group here. This is an injury upside tier of three guys who've just really dealt with with health issues. And I could have included one of the guys from the the category after this, but I, I put him with some younger guys who were waiting on uh, waiting on their upside to click in. But with these three, it's uh, Nick Senzel at 279. Aaron Hicks at 281 and Mitch Hanniger at 283, and you know, they all have a shining season or two. Well, actually, maybe not Senzel. Mm-hmm. Um, he has minor league prospect type, but they have that, you know, that allure of what if he can just stay healthy for that one year, which isn't mm-hmm. terrible to think, especially at this range of cost, because you know we've seen injury prone guys spike the the full the full season of health and have that dream season. So let's just take these guys in order here. Senzel still drawing some hype attention in Cincinnati. Is he ever going to pay dividends on his prospect type as a power speed guy who could, you know, be a top uh, 100, 120 type guy was, was the expectation when he was coming up. I don't know that he's ever going to deliver on the hype. But I do think that he offers some good upside and some interesting upside where he's going. Okay. Um, I mean, you know, last year was just a nightmare, nightmare yeah. year for him, and and every season has been kind of a nightmare season for year for him. Uh, you know, he, like you said, he, I mean, he struggled with injuries, you know, pretty much his entire career. Yeah, he really has. Uh, and then got COVID last year. Um, people, if people remember, he was the guy who, after the game, they went up to him and told him he has yeah. COVID. And so then, like um, Votto had to get tested and sit out, and, and Mustakis yep. had to sit out, and um, and so like he missed a good portion of the season. He was out from uh, the last game he played before getting COVID was August fourteenth, and he didn't play again until September fourteenth. Yeah, so he missed a whole, whole month. month. Jeez. Um. And so you kind of give him a pass on just looking at the numbers. And so, uh, I mean, I think he's a guy that at some point will put together like a 2020-ish season with like a 270, maybe even a 280 batting average. Okay. The question is, when does it come? Exactly. Um, and uh, I know right now Roster Resource has him on the bench, uh, but... I mean, Cincinnati has been linked to trading everybody at this point. I mean, there are rumors about Castellanos. There are rumors about uh, uh, Eugenio Suarez. Rumors about their entire pitching staff outside of Michael Lorenzen, who they apparently love. Um, it just So, like, I think... And then, obviously, the DH could come, uh, and we expect it to come. So, like, I think he's a full-time player. He's only 25, going to be 26, you know, at the end of June. I, I think he is a worthy gamble, um, especially at his price. Yeah, I, I, I think so, too. Like, it's a little bleak, but I think there's enough – bleak in terms of the stats right now. But there's enough to still generate some excitement, like I said – or like you said, rather – when you dig in, you can you can give them a reasonable pass for twenty. It's it's not just washing away something that you should be paying attention to and putting your head in the sand. It's like, hey, look at how all this broke down. Yes, he can he can get a pass for that. And even in the midst of a little bit of injury and up and down in nineteen, his rookie year, he still went twelve and fourteen 
in just 104 games. Like his his full season average is right around 2020, and that's what you were saying could could be the upside for Senzel. So I'm fine paying this price. I, like I'll, I'll have I'll have a share or two of Senzel. I, I'm I'm in to take the shot and see if I can spike something big here uh, with Senzel. Let's move to Aaron Hicks then, who you know. Is like an older version of him. I think it's the same kind of deal of, of what you can expect. And he's been dealing with health issues literally throughout his career. He's 33 now. Uh, excuse me, 31. Age 31 season coming up. And he, he's he's run the gamut with, with health issues. Did play 54 games this year, though. And so, of course, he stays healthy. And the average tanks. And, and it's kind of a pedestrian type of year i mean the obp kept it at a 123 wrc plus but that can only do so much for you in in fantasy right that's helping the runs because he's getting on base but he had 225 six homers four steals had more walks 19 percent than strikeouts 18 percent. love to see that especially after a 28 percent strikeout rate that spiked in in 19 thankfully that turned out to be fraudulent because he'd never really been near that sort of level but i guess you know we're getting further removed from the 27-11 season of 2018. That was really nice. And as the the injuries pile up and the batting average continues to sink, he's on a four-year decline. Where do we stand with Aaron Hicks? Can he get back to being a, a 2010, 20-something, 10-something, or double-digit something with the steals with more of a two? Well, I guess his career average is 235. So batting average is just not his thing. So are you taking a, a 22 homer, 13 steal guy and, and just eating the average uh, because it's good OBP and the runs will be there? Or are you staying away from Hicks because of all the injuries he's dealt with and the fact that he's a batting average weight? I think when the price drops in certain drafts, I'm willing to take the gamble. I mean, he, he did stay healthy this year, which is something we've never seen from him in his career. Yeah, even his breakout uh, season yes. was 137 games. Even that year he had some. Yeah, yeah, he's never played more than that 137 uh, at the major league level. I mean, there is part of me that, um, and I mean, those who've been playing fantasy a while remember, like this was like one of the top prospects in all of baseball. Um, so, uh, the, I mean... You know, apparently he still is dealing with some lingering issues from the Tommy John, and that was a report uh, that was in the uh, New York uh, Newark Star Ledger back in early December. Uh, Say that last uh, part. I'm sorry. That he's still feeling some of the effects from his 2019 Tommy John. So that's a bit concerning. The batting average. I mean, he. You know, he got a he got a bit unlucky. I mean, his ex batting average was two fifty seven, okay. um, so it should have been better. Um, I mean, he's never going to be a batting average asset. What you're hoping for is that he hits that two fifty seven. Yeah, right? you're just not wanting um, to get hurt by it. Mm-hmm. He swung and missed outside of the zone less this year. Uh, swing strike rate was down. Contact rates were about. You know where his like career average um, is. I mean, I think there is 20, 25, 10 upside here, but I also think that there is a lot of downside, including you know issues with playing time. If the Yankees bring in another outfielder, injuries obviously, and it's just not 
a gamble I'm going to take very often. I might take a shot here once or twice, but it just it's not someone I'm like I'm like I'm not highlighting him on my draft list and going I need to leave with Aaron. Yeah. Hicks. Yeah, and I, I I've been on the Aaron Hicks train for a while, and love him, but I agree. Same same type of deal. Like I'm not I'm not bending over backwards to get him. If I get him, great. But we kind of know where we're at and there's likely to be missed time. So if you don't want that added headache, you probably shouldn't draft him. Uh, I will be pulling for him, though. Despite his, his being a Yankee, I've just always liked him. Fun player, can be an elite outfielder. Um, although, if the Tommy John's still bothering him, you know maybe that's uh, something that's going to impact his, his fielding as well. But I think he'll get, he'll get as much playing time as he can handle, right? If he's healthy, the Yankees are going to have him in, batting atop the order, which is a great place to be. I think this is similar to what I said about Canha in that if he's your guy, if he's your sneak tip, you're not overpaying for him. 281 is perfectly mm-hmm. reasonable. Yeah, totally fine. Mitch Hanniger at 283. <laughs> this guy has not only dealt with injuries, but he's dealt with some of the like, most stomach-churning injuries. Mm-hmm. Like testicular torsion. Just the, that phrase alone makes me start yeah. to keel over a bit. Um. And we, we didn't see him at all in 20. Mm-hmm. He got he got a little bit of time in 19, 63 games, and was back to being solid. Not quite as good as his 18 breakout uh, when he hit 26 homers, 93 ribs, 8 steals, 285 average. Um, he only hit 220, but he had 15 homers and 4 steals in 63 games. Uh, you know That's that's a nice, nice pace he was putting together there despite the batting average hit. I guess the question is, where are we with a 30-year-old Mitch Hanniger given these injuries and the fact that we have – the 2018, which is a clear outlier of excellence. Like, can he get back to that? Or is that just going to always stand as his best year? And if so, where do we land? Again, if you like him, you're not overpaying, but do you even want to pay? I don't want to pay. And that's the thing. It's just I the injuries are too scary um, for me to be buying back in on until I – even even if I see it, because I'm I'm always just gonna have in the back of my mind that this guy is gonna get hurt, and I you know I I hope he's good. I really like watching him uh, hit in in that 2018 breakout. Really really fun player uh, when healthy. Just dude has never been able, and this goes all the way back through his minor league careers. It's why his prospect stock really uh, dipped, and kind of you know people said he came out of nowhere uh, when he did finally break out. I just I just don't trust he's gonna ever stay healthy, and so uh, I'm gonna need at least a season or two, and likely two, before I'm ever willing to trust the health. Um, and so for that reason alone, I'm out. Yeah, like I, I get passing here. Um, it, it, if you want to go for it, fine, but uh, you're not really gonna get much pushback from from Justin and I as far as trying to draft him. I just. I just don't really know what to expect. I like the steamer projection, 24 and 7. Uh, 238 is not great, but I'll take 24 and 7. I just don't know that you can get that. I don't know that you can really expect 600 plate appearances. So that's kind of where we're at with Hanniger. Yeah, I just don't understand how. Like, I, I think at, at some point it's probably just a dart throw. Yeah. Because, I mean, but yeah, you want he, him he hasn't. Than, you don't even want to pay 283, right? I don't. Especially because this next group, I think we like all three. I know we like at least two of them. Um, 
So yeah, let's move on to that group, the post-hype upside here, which, like I said, this first guy you could have included in that last group, David Dahl. In fact, he's probably a better fit than Senzel. Maybe should have flipped them because he's actually been in the majors more. Um, but who cares? It doesn't really matter. He's at David Dahl at 303, Scott Kinger at 316, Willie Calhoun at 327. They've all had that upside hype, and different things have gotten in their way. Uh, I think with, with Dahl, it's... Clearly, clearly been the health with King Green and Calhoun. It's been more of, of their performance. Like they just haven't come together the way they should. So let's start with Dahl out in Texas. Three mil, as you mentioned, they got him for, which I think is an absolute steal. I love the move for them. I think, you know, I was rooting for my Tigers to get him. And then there was like, for some reason, I don't know how people got uh, hashtag Dahl the Detroit trending. But I loved it. I was really hoping for it. And, he, and I think he even responded to it. He's like, they haven't contacted me. I mean, I'm, you know, I'll, I'll play wherever. If they, but I can't just force myself on a team. But you look at what he's done. Yes, you can, yeah, David. David. You, you can do go it. Go into Detroit. You go to Al Avila's office. You say, just, give me a contract. Give me three million. Just, just hang out in front of the stadium with the Tigers hat we'll, on. We'll him. work for, we'll work for food. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, disastrous. Utterly disastrous season this year. Only played 24 games, 99 plate appearances, had a 10 WRC+. plus. Could not have been worse. And that certainly helped get a bargain price for him uh, for the Rangers. But before that, I mean, really solid guy. 111 WRC+, plus is not going to jump off the page, but I think WRC+, plus punishes Colorado players too much. Uh, that's, my, that's my personal take on it. But 297, 346, 521, 38 homers. 133 ribbies, 14 steals. That's that's over 921 plate appearances. We know that health is the driving force here. Can he stay healthy if he can? But out of Colorado, into Globe Life, if I can give you David Dahl for 450 plate appearances, let's just guarantee that right now. Let's not let's not get mm -hmm. too crazy because we know if he gets 600, he's going to be a major bargain at this price. Let me just give you a 450. What do you think you can get, and, and are you excited to get it? If I'm getting 450, I'm thinking I can get uh, 17 home runs and seven stolen bases with like a 275 batting average. I'm in on that, dude. I and I am too. And this is like again, this is another one of those guys where. Uh, 2021 is the first time I'm kind of in on him, especially just at the price. Yeah, because it's finally uh, dropped enough for you. Yeah, I mean, he was going, I was just actually looking at the historical ADP. Um, in 2019, he was going as a top 70 pick. Last year, he was going top 150. And so to now be able to get him after pick 300, uh, okay, I'll take the gamble. You know, it's, it, just, it, it is a gamble, but it's one where if it doesn't pan out, I just, you know, he gets injured. He doesn't even hit my reserve list. He just goes straight to the waiver wire and I go to the next guy. So, uh, but I'll, I'll take the gamble because he right now, I think is projected to hit like middle of that Texas lineup that I always think is kind of sneaky. Um, so yeah. Oh, currently they got him hitting seventh. Yeah, that's still fine. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm going to take a gamble here. Definitely not going to overexpose myself um, and, and draft him on every team, but I'd say that, you know, once every four drafts, you know, I'll, I'll probably, or once every five drafts, I'll pull the trigger yeah, on David Dahl. I'm not going to overload on David Dahl, but I'm definitely going to get in and, and 
you know, see if one thing that gets a little underrated too is that Colorado itself can affect your your health, and maybe mm-hmm. his body just wasn't withstanding altitude, and and maybe just getting out of there alone is going to help him, uh, you know, stay on the field longer. So, and and there is plus the marijuana really affects your decision making. <laughs> True. Maybe, maybe he was just getting lit too often. Um, but we have no idea if he was. This is all jokes. All jokes. That joke. But yeah. yeah, do not do not tweet at David Dahl and have Justin Mason accuse you of smoking weed. He's got a really interesting range too. He's got his believers at two twenty seven, and then there's a, a draft of disbelievers down at four thirty, which I would be so mm-hmm. in on. Um, that was probably in the midst of, yeah, you know, he'd just been cut. We don't know where he's going to go. You're not getting that. Like, don't don't even don't even hope for that in any capacity. I think you're you're too much wishful thinking. But I could see him going in the three twenties, three thirties, in plenty of drafts. Because there's there's a lot of people who are just flat out on uh, uh, on David Dolan. But you and I are not uh, not two of them. So uh, we will take our shot. What about Scott Kingery? Remember, he had that big double uh, A triple A joint season breakout. And then gets a deal, uh, the coming into 2018 because it was like uh, he had 26 homers, 29 steals, 304 between Double A AA and Triple A, and you know a little bit of an older prospect at that point. He was going into his age 24 season. We're like, well, is he going to have the you know a couple weeks off before he comes up, uh, so they so they can get the extra year, or are they just going to bring him up from off the rip? Well, then they signed him to the six year, 24 million dollar deal, so he's up from day one. But it did not go well. It was a really rough debut. Eight homers, 10 steals, 226, 267, 338. Really bad. Bounced back a bit in 19. 19 homers, 15 steals, 258, 315, 474. Still nothing close to what we saw there in that uh, in that big breakout season. But something to build on. And he absolutely did not build on it. He was a disaster this year. 36 games, uh, 159, 228, 283 for Scott Kingery. So kind of a washout 2020. I guess, you know, question I've been asking a lot with, with this range of players, where do we stand right now with this guy? With going into 2021 20, uh, at age 27, is Kingry still somebody that you see with like a 2020 upside as a realistic potential, or is it a pipe dream at this point? I think it's kind of a pipe dream at this point, which is a bummer because he was a guy I really liked. Uh, when he came into the league, bought back in in 2019, uh, and <laughs> I was one of the guys, like, I think 2019 was the year he, like, started on the IL, and so, like, I drafted him, he went on the IL real early in the season, dropped him, and then he came back and, like, was really good, mm-hmm. and I was really kicking myself. Um, I mean, the swing and miss is just... Uh, it's too much. Painful. 16% swing and strike rate, 35.7% O swing. Contact uh, Zone contact rate dropped from 80% to 73% uh, in the short sample this year. He was just kind of a complete mess at the plate. And, well, I mean, you know, obviously he got a little bit unlucky, but his ex batting average was still 221, so not that unlucky. I just don't know that I'm willing to put him back on my team. I think he should be waiver wire fodder in most leagues. And then if he starts to get hot, you pick him up and, and roll with him. And, and maybe the hot 
streak continues, make some changes. But I think there are some changes to the approach um, before we can buy back in on him. Yeah, and, you know, he doesn't really walk. Kingery doesn't to kind of offset mm-hmm. some of the swing and miss. And it is tough to find the confidence here. And he's not quite cheap enough. Like, it's not expensive. If you want to buy him, buy him. But, you know, you and I are obsessed with the next guy. We'll take him a million out of a million times when he comes around cheaper than Kingery. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the thing. And and, and there's other guys, um, you know, let's see where we're at on time. I don't know if we're going to get to the next group. But even in the next group, there are guys I'd rather take. So it's – it's. We can just do a quick hit on the next Yeah, because they are all kind of the same. They're all veteran guys. So, yeah, it's it's tough. I'm kind of passed on him. I'd rather have Willie Calhoun, 327. Let's talk about our boy Calhoun, who he does have a similar trajectory to Kingery in that he has his first year. Well, it's a little different, I guess, because he didn't get a full first season. But it was unimpressive in 2018 when he finally got a little glimpse of the majors. But then 2019 puts some things together, hits 21 homers in just 83 games, by the way. Remember, there's been a little bit of like – for lack of a better phrase, attitude issues in that when he got sent down, he thought it was an unfair send down, and so he kind of let it drag him. Which it was. What? Which it oh, was. Oh, it absolutely was. Yeah, but he let it drag himself down, which you can't do because then you're only going to compound your issues. You, you know, even though we agree with him, like, doesn't matter. You got to go down and perform. But he realized, he's like, you know what? Can't do that. I got to go and, and show them that I deserve to be up there instead of sulking. Uh, got himself right. Had a good 19 and and then this year again total washout only played 29 games and those 29 games were a disaster when he was playing 190 231 260 uh only going to be 26 though and we still have kind of the 2019 to hang on to like i said i'm buying him over kingery easily he and his new teammate david Dahl, i probably would kind of split on on how often i buy one mm-hmm. over the other but are we still seeing potential 30 home runs with a 275 average here, because that's kind of what the uh, the 2019 was portending. Yes, I, I'm I'm still on board. I mean, throw out 2020. Yeah, just for the just most part, especially the surface stats. I mean, remember he's the one who broke his jaw like at the beginning yes. of the season, um, and uh, and then like I said, when he came back, he just he he did not hit well. That being said, I mean he. You look at some of the plate discipline stats and you go, whoa, this is the guy that we thought he was going to be. 90% zone contact rate, 86 overall contact rate. Actually, his O-swing dropped 8 percentage points down to 25%. Uh, percent. Uh, I think this is a guy, I mean, this is one I'm just going to keep going back to the well. I think what the fantasy focus used to call it the um, uh, fantasy kryptonite. Yes. That, I mean, that is Willie Calhoun. Whoever whoever coined the phrase "he's built like a fire hydrant" um, is, is is the real MVP here. I think that was uh, because me. I just was it yeah. you? Sure <laughs> yeah, I, I called him a fire hydrant at yeah. AFL. Yeah, because he is. Um, I mean, that's a, that's a common it, phrase for somebody who is on the shorter end and, and still mm-hmm. stocky. So I, I didn't coin the the entire phrase. Yeah, but yeah. I applied it to Calhoun. Yeah, and, and yeah, I, I love is. it. And he go thirty yeah. hundred with a 280 in a dream season and that's not that's not unreasonable to see because mm-hmm. the contact that you're talking about dude does not swing and miss does not strike out so he doesn't mm-hmm. walk but i don't care when you don't strike out it, it's less of yeah. a problem like people hold that against um uh tim anderson you know he doesn't walk okay but he doesn't really strike out either yeah. so 
Yeah, I, I really do like him. I got at least two more years of buying into Calhoun without reservation. And then I'd still probably be interested in the third year, depending on where uh, <laughs> where these next two pan out. But I I just I got to see 500 plus plate appearances before I'm going to fully give up on this guy. Yeah, me too. All right. Uh, let's just yeah, let's go through this last one here real quick, because mm-hmm. I, I titled it veteran presence or veteran coal. And I spelled presence as, as like gifts because I'm hilarious. Uh, no, I'm not. But Kevin Poir, 322, unsigned. Alex Dickerson, 333. Avisal Garcia, 340. Jackie Bradley Jr., 345. Adam Eaton, 346. Corey Dickerson, 350. And Justin Upton, 357. All guys who have been around for, for a decent bit. They've all done different things here and there. I think Alex Dickerson's probably the, the least experienced, but he was actually perhaps the best this past year. And it wasn't just that three homer game, by the way. He, you could take that out, and, and he was still really good from that point forward. Um, he had that, he had that dream night in Colorado, and 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 still put up a three forty seven, four twenty four, six twenty seven after that in his last sixty six plate appearances. So, let me just have you pick two that you really like here, and maybe one that you're not going to draft no matter what. Um, okay, so two I really like. I think I'm going to go with uh, the aforementioned Alex Dickerson and Adam Eaton. Everybody shit on the Adam Eaton I know. Uh, deal. I and I, I mean, yeah, I, I feel like we were the only ones that were like, you know, it's it's actually not that bad of a, a it's deal. It's people I mean, don't like him. And and that's that's yeah. I think this is personal. Yeah, that's been teammates too. Like he has a little bit of a red ass, and and maybe he has a total dick. I, I don't care. And injury history, I, I get. Yeah. But I mean, he's one of those guys. Like I was just talking about. Like if he like David Dahl, like he gets injured. Okay, you drop him and you move on. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when he's back healthy, you pick him up. I mean, he's projected right now to hit second in this White Sox lineup. That is going to be very very good. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm I'm in um, on him too. Hundred percent. So, I mean, I I think a 15-10 season uh, with, a, you know, a decent batting average is not out of the question. And a boatload of runs because the LBP is mm-hmm. his main force because he yeah. doesn't strike out and he can take walks. He kind of lives in the, the 9 to 11% range with his walk rate. It wasn't very good in, in 20. He is coming off a down year, but that's what helped them uh, get him so cheap to bring him back. So I, I like mm-hmm. him as well. Who else you got? Uh, Alex Dickerson, okay. uh, he is going to likely platoon, but I do believe uh, in what I saw last year. Is he going to be a straight uh, platoon, or do you think he'll get some, you know, a, a decent number of reps against righties? Or against lefties, mm, excuse me, against lefties. He, he is, never mind, I thought I thought he was uh, a right-hander, so even if he's a straight no, no, platoon, he's a lefty. He's, that's, that's strong. He's a strong side. Yeah. They'll, they'll put in, like, Austin Slater yeah. or, or Dan Ruff, and, and, and the Giants were... Very Tampa Bay Ray-ish last year in terms of really platooning lots of guys and trying to get an advantage. And it, it worked. You know, I mean, yeah. they were a better team than uh, anyone, including myself, expected. They quietly uh, had a strong offense, too. So, uh, yeah. especially relative to expectations, like you're saying. But I agree. You know, Dickerson, even if he is fully platooned as a strong side guy this late, why not? Yeah, I, I think, I mean... And that, uh, obviously, he's going as late as he is. You're only using him in leagues where you can uh, platoon him in your lineups as well properly. So, you know, weekly leagues, he obviously takes a hit because he's not playing every day. 
Um, and then who's, who's and, your do not draft? Mm, do not draft. You're just fully passing uh, no matter what. I guess it's. Yeah, I don't know that there is one like okay, a, a that's fair. Do not. You don't have. I think they all have their spots. Um, you know, obviously for Pilar, it depends on where he signs and. Um, but I, like, I don't think there's, there's nobody where I'm like straight up avoiding because it's so cheap and they all, you know, have their moments where they can, they're all mostly streamers. I mean, even in 15, leagues, yeah. 15 team leagues, these guys are all mostly streamers but, or, but there's also a, uh, I guess, except for maybe Dickerson, um, unless he just broke right with the luck as far as lefties, but all the others have an opportunity to put up 600 point appearances. Mm-hmm. Like that, there is that path that isn't that hard to imagine which which gives yeah. them some value because you're in the 300s at that point and if you can get through 600 point mm-hmm. appearances that's fair i don't i i think i agree with you i don't have a a firm do not draft i've never been a huge kevin Pillar guy but you know depending on where he signs if he is slated to have the full-time job because he is a good defender yeah. then there there is some appeal there of just putting in a glue guy to give me my uh my my 17 homers and and 14 steals you know something like that Mm-hmm. So, okay. Yeah. That's fair. That's totally fair. All right. So we did get through all the groups here. We'll, we'll pick up. Um, I think next time will be the last one. This, this was part five. Um, I think we'll, we'll, we'll condense. Cause that, you know, I don't know how deep we need to go on like Franchi Cordero and we can do like a, a DH or a UT only and last part of outfield. Yeah. We, so. Yeah. We can do some, some speed rounds of just some of your favorites back there. And I'll give you an opportunity to gush more about Cedric Mullins too. So we'll do that on Thursday, Woo-hoo! hopefully with some uh, transactions to go with it. But otherwise I will talk to you in a couple of days, Justin. Take it easy.